Hello and welcome to episode 7 of the Lord of the Dance Seti podcast. Uh, it's fun, funny, and it's a little bit difficult to put together due to the busyness of being on tour, but also being responsible for a tiny human being, which is partly, I suppose, what this podcast will be about. We're still quite a long way back in the tour. It's been taking me a long time to get through the various shows I've done. Uh, we're looking at uh, about March the 20th, 21st, 22nd, where I was doing gigs in Chesterfield, Norwich, and Birmingham, and I think that might be as far as we get today, but I suppose the theme of today's show might very well be the tiny human being that I have to look after, called Phoebe, who is my daughter, uh, and has added a new aspect to my life and to touring, because now, as well as missing my wife, which was a hard, and it was a hard thing to do, but still easier than missing a baby, being away from the family, and missing significant chunks of my young daughter's life while I'm on the road uh, is kind of slightly heartbreaking. Um, and, uh, you know, when you have to think at this point, she's only about five weeks old and I'm away for five or six days. Uh, that's a massive proportion of her life that I, I was missing out on. And I think you tend to get through it by not thinking about it too much. So in this clip from Chesterfield, I mentioned the fact my wife just sent me some photos of Phoebe, which I would delightful, made me very happy, but also made me quite sad because it made me confront the thing that I've been slightly bottling up that I was missing it, even though I knew I was going to see her the very next day in Norwich as they were both coming up to see me. And to be honest, my wife's coming up to see her friends who live in Norwich, but it was a convenient excuse for her. But anyway, let's uh, let's just crack on because uh, if I leave this any longer, I'll just never get these done. Uh, and um, let's have a look at what was happening in Chesterfield. So the next gig on the tour was Chesterfield, uh, which you'll see from this opening a little bit. I did a little backstage introduction to the gig, and uh, I'm clearly very tired. I've uh, not got all the clothes I was meant to be bring with me, even the trousers that you will remember I lost in Edinburgh. Um, but I'm missing my daughter, who will become a little theme throughout this podcast. Uh, and as I discussed in the show, I can't find it. It may have been in the second half, which I messed up the recording of. Um, with Chesterfield, it's one of those places when you're tired, it's quite a difficult name of a town to remember. And there's lots of towns with names like Cheltenham and Chippenham and Chester. And so you know, once you start thinking like that, you become terrified you're going to get the name of the town you're in wrong, which does very, very occasionally happen uh, on a tour when you are just going from place to place, as, as you can see, day by day. Uh, you're being driven somewhere you don't really get to see any of the town. You have no real bearings of where you are. In uh, Chesterfield, there is at least a, a bendy spire on the church, as I will discuss also in this opening, which gives you a landmark at least to make it stand out from the others. Uh, but as if to accentuate that point, um, I called this file Cheltenham uh, on my computer. So even when I was came to name this file, I got it wrong. But uh, hopefully this will give you a little idea of, um, of what it's like as you get more and more tired on tour. You would think you'll be tired at home with a little baby to care for, but actually being on the road, I'm actually finding more tiring than being at home. Oh dear, so backstage at Chesterfield. Um, I'm very tired today. It's uh, been quite full on. Uh, tour part of the tour this um, with only one day off in, and I've done seven I think or eight gigs in with one day off uh, and been driven admittedly around the country but uh, it's been tiring did, did an extra gig after the Glasgow gig last night 
which uh, also meant that I didn't get to sleep till about two o'clock. So that's taken it out of me a little bit. I'm trying to remember to check Wikipedia for uh, for more facts. I don't know, but I've taken that out now. Um, I think I had one. The precinct. The precinct. Simon Groom. Uh, yeah, okay. Um... And I uh, left my show shoes in my suitcase. I'm wearing my running, my dirty running shoes. So I decided not to wear my, even my suit jacket, which now is, you know, it's become ridiculous. I'm falling apart. I look like if I thought I decided if I wear a suit and a jacket, I'll as a suit and a tie, I'll look a bit like um, three different people. The ones wearing jeans and running shoes. Um, I think that's Giles coming to get us. So uh, just had some nice pictures sent through of. Phoebe, that's made me feel both happy and a little bit sad. And I'm seeing it tomorrow because they're coming out to Norwich to see me. So, uh, yeah, it's two minutes too, so maybe just put some hair gel in because my hair's a bit... Whew. So, yeah, hopefully... Uh, I think this is about 100 or so, a bit more, 120 maybe here in Chesterfield in a 200-seater room. It's not a place I've played before. It's a city with a bent spire on its church, which... It's the obvious go-to thing for the uh, local bit, but I don't think I'm going to do it, but we'll see if it comes up. And, uh, yeah, it's like a hall. All right. No, I'm a bit tired. Um, we're, at the, we're at the other spot through a kitchen. I'm just talking to the people at home. I'm dressing room, you have to go through the kitchen like in Spinal Tap. And there's... Uh, okay, hello. There's people working at the bar. Uh, and I'm hidden behind a screen at the back. Oh, it looks quite... This, boop. Nearly walked in, there's some spikes like Indiana Jones here. And they're not, they haven't actually got spikes. What is that, like a coat rack or something? Uh, yeah. That's insane. Uh, so, yeah, I'm feeling a bit out of it, but we'll see how it goes. Should be okay. It's been a brilliant week. <laughs> it certainly has. Um, so, we'll see how the show goes just in jeans and a shirt. See if that makes any difference. I'm not disrespecting the people of Chesterfield. I am a bit. Um, yeah, just feel... Well, we'll see. Actually, it should all come out OK, but feeling a little bit zonked. Um, good to go? Yeah, that's it. Is it on? It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the Lord of the Dance City. It's Richard Herring! And the little laugh at the end there came because as I was preparing to announce myself with the handheld mic, uh, I actually banged the mic into the coat rack that I'd mentioned. Uh, so I was, I was very tired and, uh, and that tiredness nearly, you know, it was like a ringing bell introducing me to the show. Actually, the show was, was lovely. It was fine. It was a sort of weird room to play because I'd, I'd just been in three of the best rooms to stand up in the country and this was a, the upstairs room in uh, a theatre it had a big domed ceiling and uh, 
that's not great. The laughter goes upwards. You're not sure if people are laughing that much. Um, I did feel a little bit tired on stage, but I don't think it massively uh, showed up in the performance. You can usually, it's very rare that you actually feel, or that I actually feel tired on stage. But uh, it, it was uh, like the most amazing performance of it. Though afterwards, lots of people came up and were lovely and also just thanked me for coming to their town, which is always a sign that it's a place that lots of comedians don't bother coming to or lots of artists don't bother coming to. And uh, so they're just appreciative that you've turned up, which is a nice start. Um, I kind of hoped I would be able to see. It was the day of the eclipse. I think I did mention at the beginning I tried to do some joke about the eclipse. Um, and there was a big glass dome, and I was hoping I could have seen it through the dome. But, of course, it wasn't the right time anyway, so that joke fell a bit flat. And I, to be honest, I don't really remember too much more about the gig, but it was, it was one of those that it, all the words came out. Oh, I tell you what, did happen. I think it was in the second half when I, when I, when the tape went wrong. Uh, but I was, I, I did go on in the claims to fame about the shopping precinct, the pavement, uh, and uh, the fact it had been opened by the Prince and Princess of Wales. Uh, and I did then, in the second half, I think, blame the people of Chesterfield for killing Princess Diana because if she hadn't gone and opened that shopping centre, her life would have panned out differently. You've all seen the film Sliding Doors, uh, and obviously she wouldn't have died. So. I suppose it's indirect, but I think we can blame Chesterfield for the death of Lady Diana, and I certainly do myself, and I think the rest of you should join in with that. And before we move on to looking at Norwich, I'll just take a little break to do something a bit different. Um, I've been, I hope you enjoyed that little backstage bit. Um, I was quite amused. Uh, one of my few uh, iTunes <laughs> reviews uh, of this podcast, uh, which I hope you're enjoying. I know it's sort of a bit of... Uh, a niche thing, but hopefully it's uh, some of you enjoying it. Uh, it's currently on three stars from nine ratings, so not everyone is enjoying it. About half of you are enjoying it. Four people think it's excellent. One people think it's four stars. Nobody thinks it's three stars. Ironically, that is the average rating. That, uh, and then one to two star and three one star reviews. One of the two star reviews, though, come the only two star review comes from Denton Pete, who says, I don't know if he can't spell Pete. Uh, or that's his surname. If you remember how funny Richard Herring can be, avoid this. By episode four, where he forgets he's taping backstage dialogue, this is tedious padding for a forgettable podcast. The noise in the background, the sound of the bottom of a barrel being scraped. Uh, I kind of like the idea that he thinks uh, that that was filler. I mean, I think the backstage stuff, I, I discovered that I'd uh, take more of the backstage than I meant to, just because I'd started earlier thinking the show was about to start. Uh, for the, I can't remember which gig it was now, but you'll remember it was deliberately meant to be boring and weird just to show you what it was like backstage. But the idea that I put that in for filler in a podcast that can be any length I wanted to be uh, quite amused me. So I'm, I'm sorry that Denton Pate is not enjoying it. I hope some of the rest of you are. Uh, and um, as I'm talking about my uh, child, I will just give read you a recent thing I've written about what it's like having a baby and then we'll get on to... She will feature in the next bit as well. Uh, my daughter is almost two months old, or she is now over two months old. These eight weeks have passed in a blurry haze, and it's been tough at times, but I've enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. She's started smiling now, which then more than makes up for the screaming and waking me up in the middle of the night. In fact, she seems to smile a lot, lot more at 5am, almost as if she knows the fresh hell she's putting us through. Whoever said having children makes a comedian safer and less dark is an idiot. Having a baby has filled my whole life with fear and totally destroyed all illusion that the world is safe or fair. Whenever I take Phoebe outside, 
outside, I think of all the terrible things that could go wrong, from cars mounting the pavement to my baby being speared by a stalagmite of frozen urine that has fallen from a plane. That should be stalactite. The stalagmites go up. Uh, I realise, I think, no, I must have put it in there. I realise how little control we have over anything that the safety, uh, that the safety we felt in the company of our own parents was totally illusory. I know I'm anticipating all possible disasters so I could prepare, be prepared for them, but if I'm looking out for frozen spears of urine hurtling to the ground, surely I'm risking more likely a mundane accidents. My mum once told me that when you've got kids, however blue the sky is, there is always a cloud on the horizon, and I get that now. It's a terrifying responsibility. Yet somehow it's the best fun being in the thrall of this mini-dictator. I became a stand-up comedian so I could be the centre of attention, but now I realise I should have become a baby instead. Everyone is enchanted by everything Phoebe does. If I spent all afternoon in my in-laws let in letting off belching and peeing my pants I think they'd quickly get annoyed with me but she gets big laughs just for pulling a funny face my stuff is way more sophisticated than that yes it is I think being a comedian has helped my, me cope with the more rigorous elements of baby minding. I view my daughter as a very persistent heckler that I'm unable to swear at. As a man who um, has made much mileage from the comedy of repetition, it's perhaps a fitting punishment that my child tests my patience in similar ways. Her own brand and performance art could win a Turner Prize thanks to its raw bleakness as she screams into the void, but I'm determined not to be broken by her. Even when she threw up her entire dinner over me in the middle of the night after i just returned from tour, I managed to laugh it off. If I let the baby get to me, then she's won. I know she will definitely win in the end. I'm so smitten with her that I know I'll do anything she wants. But I want to, de I want to delay her victory. And her occasional indignant anger at the world is pretty hilarious. She doesn't seem to realise that as a baby, life is about as good as it's going to get, with servants to attend to your every whim. If you think things are tough now, sweetheart. I've never wanted to make an audience laugh more, though she usually views my me with bewildered scepticism. I'm improvising a a plus grade show songs. It says a minus grade songs there, but I think it's just a hyphen grade songs and puppet shows for her. But she doesn't appreciate them. The good news is that when you're a dad, your jokes are meant to be a bit crap, which is always always a drawback in comedy clubs. So last week I did play you this little clip from Norwich, my the claims to fame for Norwich. But uh, I've had to listen through the tape again, and you can see the whole genesis of this bit. Uh, you may think when you watch me in the crowd, wow, Rich Tang's amazing the way he comes up with this stuff about our town. Uh, but in Norwich's case, I'd been a little bit uh, distracted by the fact my daughter and wife were backstage, uh, and I'd forgotten to, and we'd been out for dinner, uh, and I'd had a beer, which is unusual, and I'd forgotten, to, as happens in about one every three gigs, to look up the city and find out some pertinent information about it. And I was in the wings when I really remembered, which sometimes I'm on stage, and I was going to go back to the dressing room and have a look at uh, Wikipedia. But then, of course, Giles, the cannibal, my tour manager, is a Norwich resident. And this is what happened backstage, literally seconds before the show began. He saved my bacon. Uh, bollocks. Haven't looked at anything about Norwich. Have I got a second? Well, what what kind of ex I've got I've got I've got mustard. What kind of other stuff? What other, what's some rare? Got the oldest street in the country. What's, what's that street called? Elm Hill. Elm Hill, yeah. Our oldest street in the world. Anything boring? Any shop-based, supermarket-based? <laughs> I mean, no supermarket fires. <laughs> um, we burnt our library down, built a new one. Okay. When did that happen? Uh, that happened uh, in the late 90s, because I got this new millennium library. Yeah. 
there was a guy called Marigold yeah. who was basically not right in the head, but he used to stand at roundabouts and direct traffic. Okay. Uh, so uh, if you okay, mention Marigold, yeah, that'll be a real big. Okay, good, that'll do. He's still alive, but it's just not functioning. Okay. He stood in a roundabout and drove. He stood in a roundabout at the bottom of uh, uh, Grapes Hill. He stood in a roundabout at the bottom of Grapes Hill and direct traffic. Okay. By Halfords. <laughs> Marigold. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And just some 15 minutes later, we came to that bit in the show, and let's see how much of it I remembered and how the audience thought I was amazing for knowing this stuff. And now you know the tricks behind the scenes. This is like Darren Brown giving away all his secrets. No, that doesn't impress you here in Norwich. No. That does not impress us here in Norwich. We've got more impressive things than that. Coleman's mustard is made in Norwich, Richard, so it takes more than that to impress us. We had a man called Marigold who would stand on the, on the roundabout at the bottom of Grapes Hill by Halfords directing the traffic, so it takes more... Takes more than that. To Our library burnt down in the 1990s. That went up in flames. Burning over three books were destroyed. <laughs> Takes more than that to impress us, Richard. There was a lady with a very distinctive laugh uh, in all of the Norwich stuff. Uh, that happens every now and again. It's delightful to have someone enjoying the show so much. Though you can often see other people around that person going, what, what the fuck is going on? And after that triumph, I came off stage at the end of the half and Giles was waiting for me. And this is what happened then. So uh, it's time for an interval. Uh, you've been lovely so far. I hope you will continue to be so. I'm sure you will be. You always are. And uh, I'll see you in about 15, 20 minutes. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs> Stuff, yeah, very good. I look like a, I look like a genius. Only you lived in every town. Also in Norwich, just as I'd made cheap jokes about Glasgowegians, Glasgowegians, yes, Glasgowegians. That's Glasgowegians. That's how you correctly pronounce it. Pronounce it. That is the correct pronunciation. <laughs> I'm so tired. Um, <laughs> uh, in Norwich, I uh, couldn't resist a little dig at East Anglia's reputation in this little bit as well. We were a peck-on-the-cheek kind of family, and we also do understand that some people feel that lip-to-lip -lip contact between relatives is acceptable. I'm afraid that you were wrong. <laughs> and also weirdo incestuous perverts. I know I'm fighting a losing battle here in Norwich. <laughs> of course, it was cheap, but it had to be done. So it just, I'd have been drummed out of the Comedians' Union if I hadn't, I hadn't taken grasp of that opportunity. And at the end of the show, I was able to provide a little surprise for the people of Norwich because, of course, my wife and Phoebe had been waiting backstage throughout the entire thing. And so I thought I would do a bit like in The Lion King or in Only Fools and Horses where the baby is raised up uh, in front of the crowd. Although it's also quite like what happened with Michael Jackson, I suppose. But I decided to bring Phoebe out onto the stage so that at whatever this was, I think she was 40 days old at this time, uh, and uh, she would have her first stage experience, which I hoped would mean that if she goes into show business, which I hope she doesn't do, but if she does do, if she lives to 100 years old, she could actually have a 100-year stage career because this counts as her first audience. And you can just see it. She gets an amazing uh, response. Uh, so I'm her support act.
for I'm literally supporting her because she can't walk, but also I'd done the first 90 minutes. And so that's Smithers crying out there. Not my baby. Shut up, Smithers. Trying to do a podcast. There's people here. Uh, anyway, this, this is quite charming, but uh, it was nice to get my daughter on stage so young. She slept through most of it, to be honest, but here we go. She was born uh, She was born last month, she's called Phoebe, she's an amazing, uh, she's here actually tonight, uh, if you want to, this doesn't usually happen, she's backstage, if you're quiet we can, uh, we can meet her if you like, hold on I'll bring, hey she's asleep, yeah, there we go baby, there she is, you're sleeping the first time you're on stage, there you go. <laughs> there you go, you're going to be there. That's the first time, but she'll be, she's being out here. I'll be sending her to work as soon as. <laughs> so I've got to spend a night with my wife and my baby in a hotel room, which wasn't necessarily conducive to sleep, because you know, hey, you know what I'm saying? First time I've seen my wife for a while. No, it was because there was a baby crying all night long. Uh, and then Giles the Cannibal, who's been to my substitute tour manager, because my original tour manager, as you know, had to uh, leave for personal reasons. Um, Giles is, couldn't, can't do the next month because he's in Australia with Mark Watson. So I had to basically drive to Birmingham on my own. I had to drop in my wife and baby off at the train station, missing the train to London by literally five seconds. We were at the gates watching it. We got to the gates and we couldn't we just find out if we can get through in time and then it, we watched it pull away. So they had to wait another hour, which was annoying for them. I think that maybe the first time Phoebe had been on a train. Uh, and then I had to drive across country from Norwich to Birmingham. And then when I was in Birmingham after that drive home from Birmingham, so this was at the end of a long run of dates, I was tired and I was, a, I was genuinely a bit worried about uh, how well I was going to do. But, you know, save myself some money not having a tool manager for that day. So it would have been worth dying uh, for that alone. Uh, and... So yeah, this is this final gig in Birmingham, which uh, was at the Glee, and I was surprised to find out it had sold out. I'd kind of the figures I'd had was that it was only about half full, like a week before, so they must have been wrong. Well, there was a lot of late ticket sales, which was great, uh, and uh, it's a lovely venue. I know the staff very well there, and the gig went well. I got into a little motif about popcorn that became a running joke. Um, also, if you listened to last week's show, you'll know that one of the things I mentioned, the claims to frame, I say last week, it was quite a while ago, but the, the claims to fame for Birmingham uh, are, um, one of them was Mr. Egg, which is a famous takeaway, an egg-based takeaway called Mr. Egg, which is does get a mention somewhere along the line in this quite long routine. But uh, yeah, this is what happened at the end of the first half in Birmingham. Uh, so it's uh, it's been lovely uh, to be. There's a nice smell of kind of popcorn coming into the room now, isn't it? Is that just me, or is that some kind of I'm about to just die? Yes, it's a lovely smell of it. It's ambrosia or nectar now. It's kind of angels there going. Step into the light, Richard. Uh, oh, made me very hungry, so I'm going to have a little break. Uh, you can go and eat some popcorn if they have any, like butterkist or something. No? Uh, so, okay. I've gone crazy. Uh, and I'll see you in about 15, 20 minutes. Cheers. Bye. I should really have remembered about the popcorn because uh, it was a few years ago I'd been then they'd given me some a spare pack of popcorn to take with me on my journey home. And it was partly in reaching over to grab some popcorn off the chair that the uh, 
on my passenger seat that I nearly crashed my car. That came the closest I'd ever done to crashing my car, which again was was a worry at this gig. I was uh, partly because of, because of that, but it was a late start and it was quite a long drive back. But anyway, I during the interval they brought me some more popcorn, which I foolishly ate, which led to some hijinks in the second half. Let's have a listen to what happened next. So hey, had a good interval. Do you eat any popcorn? Apparently sales are very high as a result. <laughs> they gave me some free popcorn, so, you know, I might have been, that might have been a plant in order to... I think next time I'm definitely going to mention it again. And uh, um, could I smell some uh, expensive ice cream Ben and Jerry's ice cream? <laughs> and I smell what? How dare you? That's pretty, it was something disgusting. I can just tell by the way you look. I didn't hear it, but just from the way you look, I can just tell it's something we... <laughs> We don't want to hear what it was. Uh, so before we crack on, say, look, popcorn. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I've had a whole lot of it. And it's, it was a foolish thing to do. I thought I might get in. I've got to drive home after this as well, so I thought it might be good for energy. But, you know, I'm going to crash in both senses. <laughs> about, an, about an hour into my drive home. Uh, and it's foolish to eat. You know, you shouldn't eat crisps and popcorn. If you're, you know, This is a little tip if you ever become a comedian. Don't eat crisps or popcorn just before you come on stage because they get stuck in the back of your throat. And then they're you just... <laughs> like that for the rest of the so watch out for that in the second half that's a little I've broken the main rule of being a comedian no don't eat that's the first thing you learn in comedian school that if they give you free popcorn in the interval don't eat it before we crack on um, the popcorn based stuff not going so well I'll try, I'll try that people take popcorn very seriously in Birmingham they're all heading down to Mr Popcorn after the show Every shop, just every shop is the, the person who runs it is called the thing in it. And that, so that's, how, that's how they get the job. Go, wait, what's your name? Mr. Eggwell, you're running the egg shop. <laughs> Mr. Dildo, well. But genuinely, throughout the rest of the show, I was troubled by flecks of uh, popcorn catching in my throat. I was coughing a lot and trying to take loads of drinks of water. Uh, so the joke was on me. Here's one of the instances where that happened. <laughs> bit of popcorn there. Uh, don't you... <laughs> Do you eat the bits of the bottom? You know the bottom of the popcorn where it's like really hard and it hasn't popped? Do you eat those bits? I do. I do. I do as well. It's dangerous. It's like I like the danger of just as your 47 year old and got quite weak teeth. As I was eating, I think it'd be really bad if my filling comes out as a result of this, and I have to go on stage like in agony uh, because I've been stupid enough to eat this unpleasant bit. Of I'll carry on. Uh, I'm just make the show longer. It's why don't you? Yeah, it's all right. I don't need to get home. Don't need to get home. Um, but I got through that gig despite choking a little bit on popcorn throughout, genuinely. You should never do that. That's one of the first rules of comedy. And, uh, and I did manage to make the drive home in one piece without crashing the car this time. Don't remember very much about that drive. And I got home to my wife and baby and got to take over, I'm sure, changing nappies as soon as I got home. So it was, uh, it was a really fun little run that whole six days thank you to everyone who came to those gigs and anyone who's come to the tour already and thanks if you're planning to come uh in the future and if you're not planning why don't you come there's a, there's not that many chances left to see the show now i'll tell you what's coming up uh, as i record this uh in uh, the end of april uh what well, the gigs coming up are on the well the middle of april i should say uh, the 16th of april i'm in fairham there's only about 20 tickets left for that so book quickly if you want to come to that 17th of april i'm in worthing there's loads of tickets. It's a massive theatre, though. I'm sort of sold quite well. There's over half the tickets sold, which I'm delighted about. 
for a town I don't know much about. Uh, the 18th, I'm in Forest Arts in New Milton. Uh, some, there's again about 30 tickets left for that at the moment as we speak and the 19th of April I'm in Portsmouth another big room with quite a lot of tickets left uh, the 23rd of April I'm in Harlow I don't know how that's selling 24th of April Bristol but that is sold out but check with the Colston Hall for returns I wish I was in the big Colston Hall but I'm in the smaller venue and the 25th of April I'm coming to Monmouth uh, and if you miss me in Bristol you can see me on the 2nd of May in Clevedon at the Theatre Orchard uh, and then coming up, Shrewsbury, Stockton on Tees, Leeds City Varieties, which I think might be sold out, but check for check with the venue. Peterborough, and then I'm doing the Bloomsbury Theatre in London on the 14th and 15th of May. It'll be terrific to get lots of people down there, especially for the 15th, which is when I'm doing the DVD record. Um, so if you haven't seen the show yet and you live in London, uh, those are two of your last chances. I will be doing the show at the Leicester Square Theatre also as part of my run of all 12 shows, which I'm doing in... August and September at the Leicester Square Theatre on weekends, so you'd still have another chance if you can't catch those Bloomsbury gigs. Uh, then Wrexham, Sutton Coldfield, which is sold out, Taunton, Swindon, Borden, Redhill, Southport, Eastbourne, Ulverston, and Hebden Bridge. So there may be a few more added, but I doubt it at this stage, and I will be starting work on the next year's show after that. So go to richtaring.com slash LOTDS slash tour for details of any of those, go to gofasterstripe.com if you want to buy a DVD of one of my previous shows. Go to gofasterstripe.com slash badges if you want to put in some money uh, to help us make not so much this one, which is uh, just takes time rather than money, but those other more expensive podcasts, if you like those, uh, giving a little bit of money will help us to make those. Um, and this is going to come in at 30 minutes, which I think is right. I will next week, I will, if, I, if I can manage to do it next week, I will talk to you about the gigs I did uh, in uh, Southend, Aldershot, Cambridge and Shoreham. Uh, I think that should probably fill the show. Uh, and who knows what else I'll talk about, what else it's like being on tour. I hope you're enjoying these. Uh, and if you're not, you know, you don't have to listen to them really. So that is, if you've still got to this point and you don't like them, then you are a fucking idiot. Do come and see me on tour. Thanks very much for your support and see you soon. Um, and my baby has been on the baby monitor all the way through and hasn't woken up, which is an absolute fucking delight. <laughs>